You're listening to After The Jack, a McPherson Media Group production. Hello and welcome to another edition of After The Jack. I'm Tyler Ma, your host here in the Shepparton News Studio and it's uh, plenty of finals time. I've uh, completely mashed that up, haven't I, Ash? Uh, as always, Ash Williamson is next to me. Uh, Ash, welcome to the studio. Yeah, thanks, Tyler. Uh, you must have been able to contain your excitement about all the bowls action uh, happening on the greens in finals at the moment. It's certainly been an exciting time of year, particularly um, you know with preliminary finals, grand finals coming up. It's uh, what everyone wants to be involved in. It certainly is, and uh, I think I went to say it's finals time, but realised that that was my same intro last week. So I was, you know, just trying to trying to make it up on the fly. <laughs> but uh, someone who does make it up on the fly all the time is uh, Brian Nisbet. Brian, welcome to the show. Thanks, Tyler, and good afternoon, listeners, and good afternoon to Ash. Now to uh, to timestamp the uh, the pod, it's it's Thursday afternoon. A few teams have just dropped for the weekend's um, games. But before we get into that sort of stuff. Let's uh, let's review the the midweek pennant prelim round, Brian. Yeah, the midweek prelim rounds. Uh, we'll start with Division Five. Yaroa made the most of their double chance when they annihilated Avonall in the preliminary final by thirty-one to earn another shot at Park in the grand final at Nagambi. Who who do you think will win that one, Brian? Park. Yeah, look, uh, they were certain certainly looked the better side in the qualifying final, but. It's always very hard for sides after losing that qualifying final to bounce back in the prelim. So Ural will have gained plenty of confidence, particularly with such a big win over Avenal on Tuesday in the preliminary final. So not without a chance. So we're going to do the, the review and preview at the same time. I that's, think, I think that's so. what I've done. Yeah, Perfect, yeah. yep. I think that's the way to go. Yep. Right, Division 4. Eildon also capitalised on the double chance when they accounted for Dookie in a thriller at Nagambi by four shots to get another shot at Alex in the big dance. Alex have been the dominant force all season and I expect them to be premiers Saturday night. Yeah, look, I think um, there was a bit of uh, a bit of a chance that Dookie could have pulled off the upset here um, given, you know, their sort of record in these lower-grade finals and they, they'd had a good win in the qualifying final the week before against... She- uh, the elimination final, sorry, against Shep Park. But, um, yeah, look, I think... As you said, Alex, the top side all year, and I think they'll go in really confident of finishing their season on a high against Yildon. And both those divisions are at Nagambi. Yes. Division five and four. Bit of a flavour of the month for Nagambi, getting some big finals, Brian. Um, what do you reckon the reason behind that would be, given it's a synthetic surface and generally the association hasn't liked playing finals on, on synthetic surfaces? Yeah, but I think some of the teams... I think um, Eildon, Eildon and uh, Alex have got synthetic greens. I don't know about Yay and yeah. whatever. but And I guess it probably cuts down some of the travel and time. I, I think the travel time would be a factor yeah, as well. Yeah, it's geographical and I think it's been a good decision. And it's a beautiful green down there. And now they've had a bit of... Every side's had a final on it, so yeah. they should be accustomed to it. Yep, Division 3. Division 3... Another team, VRI, utilised the double chance when they swept aside Kai by 12 at Stanhope to reach the grand final against Shepparton Park. This will be uh, at Stanhope as well. VRI lost by eight to Park in the semi, but I predict them to reverse the result this time and become premiers next Tuesday. 
Yeah, it's an interesting call. I think um, they've certainly got a bit to play for, Seymour VRI. Obviously, if they do win this, they'll move up to Division 2. Um, sort of just looking at, you know, um, Shep Park's Division 3 side. Wes Gibbs is a, is a handy skipper in there. Um, Murray Phillips. And Barry Nelson's done a good job there as well. Um, he was particularly important in the in the qualifying final. So I'm backing my club park to, to get the job done again. It will be a tight one, I'd imagine. Um, only eight shots two weeks ago. So, um, you know, I think it'll go right down to the wire, but I think park can win again. Yeah, I think park can get the job done. It was only one rink um, in that clash two weeks ago, but um, I think out at Stanhope, uh, park should be too good. Division 2, Shep Golf have come from fourth to reach the grand final after disposing of the highly fancy Kai by 16, courtesy of Frank Ivac's sensational result against the season's top rink in Kai's Phil Denham. Uh, when I got there, Denham was down 4.20. I could not believe the score. I said, Is that they got the scores round the right way because uh, I've never seen him in that sort of position. But his rink rallied to go down 19.28. But John Daggett's rink also won for golf by 11 over Daryl Gade from Kai to ensure their victory. Shep Golf are on a roll, and I predict them to upset Park in the grand final at Stanhope next week. Yeah, look, this is this is a very interesting matchup because obviously golf coming from fourth, we probably didn't expect this grand final matchup to occur before the final started. Um, I probably predicted that Kyburn would go straight into the grand final in the qualifying final, given they'd had such a big win against Park in the last regular season round, and and Phil Denham, as you touched on, um, gave Heath Matthews a touch up, and they drew each other again in the qualifying final, and and Heath Sprint did a really good job to only lose by six or seven shots. Um, so Heath will probably be breathing a sigh of relief knowing he can't copy him again next Tuesday. But as you mentioned, um, Frank Ivac, the giant killer, uh, you know, he, he plays a game where if everything comes off, he certainly chances his arm through the head. Um, he must have had one of those days where his upshots and drives were coming off and, and uh, got on top of Denham's rink, and that was pretty decisive in causing the upset. And, you know, Johnny Dagger skipping in Division 2 is a bit of a luxury to have as well. But, you know, looking at Shep Park's rinks, um, you know, Bev Thorne is a really experienced skip with Dennis Smythe as her third. They've been working really well together. Calvin Rogash has done a lot of skipping, particularly in Division 2 on Saturdays, and, and Heath Matthews, as we touched on. So, you know, they've got just as much experience um, one that I'd, I'd like to mention from Shep Park as well, it's had a really good season and I'd expect her to push up into Division 1 next year is Joy Gardam and she's leading really well for Bev Thorne's rink. So um, going to be a really good game, arch rivals, these two. Uh, I'm going to go for Park by uh, eight shots. Yeah, I think this looks a ripper matchup. Um, <clears throat> as you touched on there, Ash, it's uh, a lot of experience for you know Div 2 midweek um Outfit, yeah. Yeah, outfit on, on both sides, really. So uh, I think this one will go right down to the wire, but um, I, I think Park can get the job done as well. Very good. Division 1, East led by as much as 14 early on against Guy after about oh, 16 ends, but then trailed by nine with eight ends to go. Lynn Barber's rink well now and overall scored six shots in their last three ends to bring the scores level, and Stacey Collier's rink with... Two on the penultimate end, put them two up with one end to go, and they scored two on the last end, despite Chris Pretty's uh, best efforts. So uh, Kai Skip, it was a was a really good game of bowls, a good standard on a good green. 
Graham Barber's rink with Body Kate Bell and the brilliant Karen Truon. She's been the player of the final series. She led for us in Division 2, got promoted when Ken Martin was unavailable and she's played her two best games for the year in the finals. And uh, it's a credit to her. She is the club champion at East, so she's had a good year. Calvin Beacon played a pearler of a game against his old team in Stacey Collier's rink. Uh, and East will have gained a lot of confidence from this win when I'm selecting them to win their first ever midweek Division 1 pennant match against staunch opposition in Shep Golf. So have they have they made a Division 1 midweek grand final before? Not to my knowledge. No, so it'd be it'd certainly be a landmark victory for them. No, it wasn't because when they got promoted from Div 2, it wasn't that the first time that they'd been up in a while? Yeah, it was. And they've yeah. never won a Division 1 as far as I can... Yeah, so it's certainly been a fairy tale run for them, given that, you know, um, in the last round, I think their spot was in jeopardy. I think they had to win in the last home and away uh, round to guarantee their spot in the four. Um, and they've ridden that momentum all the way, you know, particularly with Stacey Collier coming back in. That sort of stiffens up one rink there. And Graham Barber's been in really good form all year, skipping in the midweek comp. Um I'd be devastated, really, because they were probably the benchmark side for most of the home and away season. They'd certainly created a gap between themselves and the rest of the, the top four. And to bow out in straight sets like that, um, we'll touch on it with the Saturday pennant. Um, hopefully there's not a touch of de- deja vu. But, um, look, I think Shep Golf, with their experience um, for the occasion, I'd have to go with them in, in the grand final on Tuesday. And this is also going to be at Stanhope. Um you know, looking at John Stokes as skipping a rink, Wayne Gribble, um, Carla Miles and Paul Ledger, who we've had in as guests here before, they seem to have, um, you know, really good balance across their top three rinks. And I um, I think it'll be difficult for East Shep to keep backing up again um, for the third week in a row. I wouldn't put it past them, but I think their run will end on Tuesday. Yeah, I, I agree. The, the Shepherd and Golf side is just full of experienced campaigners at this level. Um, and <clears throat> I think... Across the board, uh, th- there's probably more opportunity for one of those rinks to get a hold of an East rink rather than the other way around. And I think in three rinks, um, that, that's enough to make the difference. Do, do they consider any changes to the Lynn Barber rink, Brian? Because that was the one that sort of almost cost them on the Tuesday. Is there anything they can do to try and stiffen up that combination? Well, I think Alan Houston would be a, a, a good addition to the rink. He's a very... Cool customer, and he's skipped in Division 1. He's won, I think he's won three matches in Division 1 Saturday pennant this year in a um, a, a decimated uh, side, so... Should he be skipping that rink, Brian? No, no, I'd just, I'd settle him, I'd just put him in the, in the, in the front half. Yep. And I think he'd be a valuable addition, but it's a big call to, to drop a player now with... There's yeah. no sentiment in bowls. We've seen that happen before. We've seen yeah. players dropped. I could name Wally Sinclair, Graham Kenny Mo- McIntyre. Graham Myers, that was Graham a Graham Myers, yeah. Stan Pregnell. Yeah, yeah. so it, it is a hard one, but I can't imagine they'll go with any big changes. I mean, this 12's uh, gotten them this far, but, you know, it could um, be costly if, if, if they're the rink that sort of struggles again on Tuesday. Yeah, well, they're, they're <coughs> like... The whole story is the last five ins, and they, Lynn and her team, uh, really fought it out. I mean, it's hard when you're getting flogged by 
big margin. They were 20 shots down and they've come back and yeah. you've got to give full credit to them. Yeah. And it was their performance that probably won the game. Well, I think uh, uh, you just got to get in that mindset of finals. It's not about the rink points or the rink scores. It's about that big board sitting in the corner with the, the overall shots. And if you can win your last five ends by three or four shots, it's going to make a huge difference overall as opposed to losing them by four or five shots. So, It certainly is. Excellent. Well, we might move on to Saturday review of the first week of finals. And we might touch a little bit on, uh, particularly with Division 1, the sides who are now out of contention and maybe look ahead a little bit to next season, a bit of a crystal ball type thing to see what they can do to maybe get up into that top bracket of teams, Brian. But starting with Division 7. Yeah, Rushworth defeated Violet Town by three shots and advanced to the grand final. After losing their previous four games. I picked this. You picked it, yes. <laughs> well done, mate. A, a real form reversal. And Eildon, uh, who in another close one got over the line by one against Avenal. Avenal just got into the four, uh, hadn't been in it all season. So they had a good, they finished the season. They bit, they'd be disappointed to lose by such a close um, margin. Di- yeah. yeah, Division 6, yay by nine over Yarrow, went straight in the grand final. Yep. And Kai, who uh, defeated Dookie by 11 elimination final. I don't think there was any real surprise there. I did go for Dookie, but... Uh, yeah, I, I thought Dookie might have might have got the chocolates as well, but um, I think I think results went to according to ladder positions there. Yeah, they did. Yep. Division 5 in a nail-biter, Dookie by two over Alex in the qualifying final. Yes. And they well, now we wait... collectively tipped that one, didn't yeah. we? Yeah. And they now wait the winner of the elimination final... Um, or the prelim, who won the elimination? The elimination final, Eildon, who narrowly beat Merch by six. Okay, so, so Eildon versus Alex in the uh, in the prelim this week. Yeah, the two neighbours. That'll be uh, that's at the. I believe that's at the Gamby too. Yes. Yep. Yeah, it is. Same as midweek division four. VRI, who have lost only one game, were too strong for Kai by twelve in the qualifying final, and Hilltop. Uh, Sent your row packing by seven in the elimination final. I, I actually picked that one, Hilltop. Yep. I think um, Hilltop's form in the second half of the year was sort of trending towards this, and they thoroughly deserved their spot in the prelim final. But um, Seymour of our eye looks the benchmark to me. And I think the biggest upset was in Division 3, Nagambi, yes. defeating <laughs> Seymour by nine shots at Shep Golf Greens, and they booked a spot in the grand final for the second year running, having won Division 3 last season. I recall effectively putting the house on Seymour uh, last week, so yes. um, um, I, I'm not too sure what's happened there. All, always the bridesmaids, never the brides, it seems, for Seymour at the moment. But they do have the the luxury, I guess, of the double chance. Who will they be playing, Brian? They'll be playing uh, Stanhope. Stanhope yeah. continued their late surge of form. Defeating favoured Rushworth by 19. Big result for them because, as we talked about last week, the the last round of the Div 3 comp was so many combinations that could happen and uh, Stanhope managed to sneak in to the four and they've uh, managed to capitalise and get into a prelim final against a Seymour side who will probably be smarting a little bit. So if if Stanhope was ever going to get them, it might be this weekend when they're a little bit vulnerable. It certainly um, looks that way. And that that leaves Stanhope... Um, with the possibility, which would I think would be a really big step for the club of, of pushing up into that second division. Um, yeah. <coughs> obviously, Seymour and the Gambia, it's their top sides. But yes. if Stanhope was to be able to 
to to shorten that elastic between mm. um, Div One and their second side, which uh, currently is Div Three. Yeah, uh, I think that'd be a big step for the club. Certainly would be Tyler, and uh, I think they'd probably gain a few more players too to the club. Absolutely, yeah. Division Two, Kai secured a big dance appearance courtesy of comfortable fifteen shot win over perennial finalist Shep Golf. Uh, and in the elimination final, Yarrara in a tight battle overcame Shep, Shep Park by just three shots with rink shared. Yeah, look, um, Shep Park had a chance sort of in the later stages to win the game. Um, I think Vince Page's rink against Shane Drysdale was holding two or three shots, which would have maybe got them in front overall. And Drysdale played a big drive to put the jack in the ditch. Um, and, and that sort of... I think Shep Park needed four or five to tie on the last end. Die Hands played the last end and was unsuccessful there. So Yaroa keeps their dream alive of getting back up into Division 1. And um, Park will be sort of kicking themselves a bit because they had many close losses throughout the home and away season, which, um, you know, if they'd won a couple of those, would easily have got the double chance. And as it turned out, they had to play the elimination and now they're gone. So... Yeah, true story. I've never seen a side lose so many close games in a division. Yeah. Uh, in Division 1, in another cliffhanger, Golf saluted once again with champion Skip Brad Orr playing the decisive match-winning last bowl with Kai holding two shots and all rinks confident forcing an extra end at that stage. Tally, as expected, Thrash Park by 44, thus advancing them to the preliminary final. Let's go back to the qualifying final, Tyler. Uh, would have been paying a $1.01 for that or rink to be the last to f- play the 100th end. Um, uh, I think even shorter than that. Uh, <laughs> you, you would have had to get uh, 99s over 100s, I reckon. Yeah, uh, yep. The, um, just the, the gamemanship and the ability for someone like Brad Orr to control such a big game with, with so many... Um, talented players and big personalities across the green. Mm. Um, I obviously wasn't there on Saturday, but I can, I can see how it played out in my head. Yes, um, yeah. And, and just to go on to that last end that you mentioned, Brian, so um, f- from what was explained to me, Brad Orr uh, stepped onto the mat with the last bowl of the game down a drawn game. Yep. Um, so Kai was pushing it to a, an extra. extra end as it stood and ditch to ditch with not much room to move and not much to look at has uh, drawn it cold yep. to give um, Shepard and Golf the three-shot win and another finals appearance, which we believe is his 12th consecutive, div- Division consecutive one. Div 1 grand final appearance. And Yeah, so we think he played in two in a row for Marupma. He won one, lost one. Then um, after the losing one in the second year, went to Park with Mark Ryan, etc. Um, and they played in two in a row there. And after the second two... Premierships in a row, then went to Shep Golf, and he's now into his eighth consecutive grand final. Won six in a row, lost last season, and this will be his eighth. We think it's twelve. It could be more, but we'll certainly check that. Uh, and he's won ten. He's won ten out of eleven. Yeah. Yep. Um. You mentioned the um uh, the parallels, I guess, with um a very important bowl, I guess you would say, in his bowl's life and in his career and 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 the path that 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 experience took him on since then yeah i suppose it was the first thing that came to my mind when i um saw what happened on on saturday was that um early on when brad was still at marupna they were playing in a grand final and uh john hallam i believe it was yes um at, at Yarrawa, yep played uh, a similar bowl ditch to ditch to uh, almost to, to draw game and uh send the grand final to an extra end from which hallam and golf won 
and and Hallam drew the drew the winning bowl as he well did. in the extra yeah. end because <laughs> because naturally enough the all rink was the last one to finish and. Um, yeah, that was that was the losing grand final, and and Hallam's rink had actually given him quite a touch up that day, and and Marupna was lucky to be even in in with a chance of winning overall going into the last end. I think he'd lost by fifteen or eighteen shots. So, so I just wondered uh, with the career of so many moments, I wondered if that one was uh, potentially in his head uh, at some point on Saturday afternoon or evening uh, after. Um, what he was able to, to well, achieve. Well, you just think about it, Brian. You know, most skips in that situation. So you're two up going into the last end. You're two down with one bowl to play. Most skips are probably thinking, okay, just get second. If I get second yeah. shot, we go down one, we win by one. But no, he's drawn it cold to get a shot and win by three. Um, and, you know, obviously his ring winning 36-14 against Glenn Fields was pretty much the difference. Well, it was the difference. Um, I know Brett Foley won by a couple, but... Um, Geez, these two sides have had some ding dong battles in the in the three oh. head to heads this year. I mean, Kai should have won the first one. Golf only won one rink, and and that was enough. And then Kai handed them their only loss the second time around. And then they've played one for the ages in the in the uh, qualifying final, Brian. And we'll talk a little bit more about it soon. But um, you know, if they get a fourth meeting, uh, what could we be in store for? But yeah, well, I, I was disappointed. I wasn't there. I went up and had a look at. I'll give the the Murray League, a bit of a plug. I went up to uh, Cobram. Yep. Whereas for the first time in the competition... They played home. They played on their home green, the, the higher teams on the ladder. How was that received? Well, the greens are probably the best in the comp, so yep. didn't worry the America golf guys. Mm. I was talking to Mark Jones, the manager before the game, and Jeff Sutcliffe. Uh, Cobram actually won by two shots, 70-68. It was a very good match. Yep. Uh, two rinks to one. Mark Jones was the winning rink for Shep Golf and one you Yamurka Golf, sorry. Yep. And one you sixty six defeated Yamurka fifty four on their home green, two rinks to one. Um let's go back the elimination to elimination final. Yeah, let's go back to the elimination final in the Alan Matheson Shield, Brian. Obviously I played in that one for Park and um, you know, we, we we were we were miles off it and we were under no illusions as to the task at hand. We'd played them the week before and Mark Ryan coming back in, I mean, he gave our rink a touch up. Paul Warren, he just he sat bowls, he trailed the jack, he just had one of those he was in one of those moods where everything he did worked. And look, um looking ahead to next year, Brian, some of the clubs that um are out of the finals race now or out of their seasons are over. Um, Marupna, we've touched on a little bit, Brian. What do you think they need to maybe go to that next step next year? I think they need at least four top bowlers. Yeah. Probably a couple of skips and a, and a couple of thirds. Yeah, look, there's been plenty of names sort of bandied around in, who, in terms of who might, might be committed. Um, Josh Warren's one from Shep Park. I know that they've been fairly heavily into him to try and get him back to... Marutna and you know um, there's been a lot of talk at Park about that he is going and I think he's told, made that known to, to, to certain people um, so you know there's one that they've potentially got there um, it, it'll, it'll remain to be seen whether they do stay in you know of course Yeroa could still um, win Division 2 and go up back up again so there's a bit to play out there what about um, Eshep Brian your mob well they're they're chasing half a dozen Division 1 players uh, from from the Golden Valley clubs from or the outside? Golden Valley, as far as I'm aware, but yep. it could be outside. But I doubt if it'd be outside. Yep. So we need them. Yeah. Uh, we're actually well. You, 
most other bowlers would agree, I think, that we're a Division 2 side playing in Division 1. Mm. Yeah. And, and, the, and Maru- there's, Maru- there's only one bowler at our club. He's played three games and won them all a skip at make the top sides. You know that is? Daniel D- Nichols. Daniel Nichols, yeah. Yeah. And so let's face facts, but we need six Division 1 players minimum. Yeah, and, and they're hard to find, aren't they, Brian? Like, Marutman's well, looking for them, East Shepparton's looking for them, Shep Park and Stanhope will be looking for them, so... And Hilltop. And Hilltop, so, you know, they don't grow on trees, and they don't... Yeah. And, 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 and as you mentioned, anyone who turns up in town that's a half-decent bowler, where do they go? Shep Golf. Yeah, yeah. Um, look, Hilltop's probably in a similar position. I don't know what Brendan Boyd's plans are in terms of coaching the club. Um, I know there's a little bit of... Uh, unrest, I guess, and uh, about the merger and how that's working and what the long-term future of that is and whether that um, is something that's sustainable long-term. Um, I think they're still very separate in their operations of how they do things um, and they still have their separate club championships and things like that. So I don't know whether that situation is going to be conducive to long-term success and what they can do to try and maximise the bowling talent that they do have would that yeah sorry would that indicate that they don't practice together for four pennant that means the tat blokes practice at tat and the hilltop yeah. pennant players practice at hilltop and, i just and, first and, time i thought of that actually I'm, I'm not sure about that but they certainly do play their own club championships i i think it's uh probably a case of trying to have the best of both worlds and mm. and, and trying to have your cake and eat it too i think um the 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 entire um prospect of uh, a merger Mm. has put off this approach for years. Mm. Like it's been in town, it's been, you know, the biggest discussion between the bowls clubs. But I think they've they've taken a big step to to do what they're doing with the Bulldogs. Mm. I, I just wonder if it's if it's not big enough. Yeah. Um that if it if it has to become one club. Yeah, and I think the logistics of it as well in terms of where they go. So if Tat was decide to decided to vacate where they were I think that's council land, so that that prop that bowls club would probably be bulldozed or whatever, and turned into car parking for the swimming pool and the tennis courts and the footy ground and all that. So if they leave, that that land will be repurposed somehow. Whereas Hilltop, obviously, it's owned by the country club and things like that. But the the bowls club, I think, is a bit um, of the you know it's the second priority there. You know, there's a lot more golfers than there are bowlers, so therefore the the maintenance of the golf club gets tends to get a bit more. Uh, priority than than the bowls club and things like that. So it's a very awkward situation to try and navigate, and it needs um, you know a structure and a leadership model in place where everyone's going to be pulling in the same direction. Um, and I think when Lee Farrell was there, he sort of um, had them you know all all singing from the same song sheet. Um, and but since then that structure sort of hasn't quite been there, and there's been a bit of us against them, and, and it can't really work that way, I don't think. so. I think it helped that he was an outside influence mm. Um, mm. To, to both clubs, really. Like yeah. He has obviously played in the past um, I, in the region, but uh, I think effectively he was um, someone that wasn't um, born and bred Tad or born and bred no. Hilltop. So, no. And I think, and, you know, I, I think Brendan Boyd's doing a good job as coach, but he's obviously got more ties to one club than the other. Yeah. And um, whether yeah. that's even just a subconscious perception of, of some of the other players around the Bulldogs. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I just think it's a tough situation to be in. I, I certainly applaud um, what they've done with the Bulldogs themselves, but I wonder 
where the next step in growth comes from and whether it's um, reducing some of the, the teams um, yeah. and trying to sort of um, you know, narrow that focus down a little mm, bit yeah. or whether it's um, you know, going all into to becoming officially one club and, yeah. and, and really uniting under one banner rather than... And having one base. One yeah. yeah. Um, Stanhope, Brian, where do you see them sitting? Tyler's touched on it would be a great fillip for the club if they could win Division 3 and go up into Division 2. Um, my only query with that would be their depth in terms of being able to step up into Division 2 and then have a Division 1 as well. They probably need a few more players, I think, to make that more sustainable and work rather than you don't want them to go up to Division 2 and then come no. straight back down. I think they'd have to pick up at least four <coughs> strong Division 2 players. Yeah. Or guys at Division 1 clubs that can't get a, a game. They'd go to Stanhope. And they've got to travel out of town. The travel's going to come into it. Mm. And then the four players they pick up in Division 1, the four of their players drop down to the twos. That's the only way they'd be competitive, I think. Yeah. You're right. They're going to have to pick up at least four four good players. I think it's not out of the realms of possibility, though. I think no, there's, no. there's benefits to being outside of Shepparton as well. And I think if they looked west and um, you know uh, south, and oh, I'll get my geography mixed up there. But if they if they look outwards rather than Bendigo. back towards Shep, <laughs> yeah, um, you know Bendigo Campaspe way, mm. it, it it potentially would uh, open up more of a pool there. And yeah. if they did have that, um, I suppose that. Uh, aspect of Division One and Division Two, and, and something to build on there. Yeah, that might be a little bit of an extra, um, I suppose, carrot for someone who might think, oh, yeah, I might be on the edge of the Div One side, so I'm not going to bother going over there because I don't want to play Div Three. Yeah, and look, um, I think they had their big fish in Crackers Keen, and and you know he played a handful of games for the club, and then circumstances were such that um, you know uh, he had an offer from a Bendigo club that was too good to refuse given you know his house was flooded out and things like that so he's gone back there and he's playing in the grand final this weekend Brian this Sunday or Saturday Um, so I think Stanhope would have really had their hopes pinned on him maybe being someone that at the end of this season would have been able to bring a few with him but now that he's not there they're sort of back to square one in finding that person who can be the Pied Pied I guess, and maybe bring two or three names with them and start to build something there at Stanhope. So it's it's an interesting one. They probably need that big fish first and bring a couple with them before they can sort of, um, you know, really start to launch again. Um, Shep Park, Brian, uh, it, yeah, I think, you know, the, the it's while it's great to make finals, um, I think it showed the gulf between the top three and whoever finished fourth. I think we're probably about... Well, I looked at it and sort of had a close think about it on Saturday night. We're probably six to eight players away from joining that top three. Um, you know, just in terms of Division One consistency and being able to match the big guns, um, you know, it was just plainly obvious that we probably lack a couple of skips. We probably lack some a couple of good, really good leaders. And I think because um, there, there hasn't really been much turnover in the list over the years, we've lost a lot of players, but not many have come in. Guys are just getting games over and over and over again and we're not actually um, regenerating much and bringing some new talent in or new recruits and things like that. So um, that's probably the thing that needs to happen is turn over a bit of the list and try and bring some new blood in there who are going to get better every game rather than just going with the same old because we've got no one else there to, to call on. Yeah, I think you need a few more players like Dylan Hearn. Yep. His age and... 
a chance. Uh, I believe. Well, I don't think your club's got the same policy as probably Easton. They they don't like paying players mm. in just in that capacity. They'll pay a coach, but don't like the idea of uh, getting paid players in the club because it creates um, unrest with the other players. Yeah, look, and um, obviously Paul Nichols had agreed, I think, to coach again next season, but he's since um, had a change of heart. And I think the big reason behind that is, is obviously he works, he lives in Avenal, works closer to Melbourne, and he was coming back a lot and, you know, trying to organise training, and there was just no one there. Um, you know, uh, our practising, our preparation, and that is not up for scratch, really. For a side that's making Division One finals, we're really miles behind in terms of, how much preparation we put into the game and how how serious we sort of take it. Everyone sort of just turns up and wants to play. And I think from Paul's point of view, trying to coach, it's very hard to coach people who don't want to turn up and be coached sort of thing. So I think he's going to be a player again next year. So the club is looking for a coach. But I think it's going to be very hard to change that culture that we have at the club of, you know, people just sort of turning up. And I liken it to sort of um, we're more a, a social club of bowlers rather than a bowling club that, you know, wants to yes. try and strive for yeah. success. I know I, you share the same facility, but do you have much <coughs> relationship or has there ever been much relationship between Shet Park, Old Students, Kayla Park Tennis Club, the GV Masters, yeah. the um, umpires? There's a, a lot of people mm. who use that facility and a lot of the other sports that they use it for have a um, much lower retirement age mm. than uh, Lawn Bowls does. Is, is there much relationship between the clubs? It's a good question because um, I've noticed with the, the social bowls that we have on Wednesday night, there's been some um, people coming across who um, maybe would have a hit of tennis um, at Kyler Park and things like that. I don't know a couple that spring to mind and um, trying to bring people in from other backgrounds that maybe aren't involved with haven't been involved with bowls before. The old students one's a really good one. Um, you know, like I look at someone like Gino Saraceno who's still playing cricket and still loves it and still passionate about it, but he's the sort of competitive type that I think would really love being involved in in bowls in, you know, in later life. So, you know, it's certainly something that I think the club needs to explore um, to, to try and regenerate the playing stocks and, um, you know, turn over some players a little bit. Well, it's the age-old um, lawn bowls recruitment process isn't it is uh poach as many um cricketers and footballers <laughs> as you can get them interested in social bowls with a you know a cheap brew um yes. while they're still got a couple more years of cricket and footy left and then once they finish putting their body through that they've got lawn bowls to play and i think it's uh, past experience um wood end was the first club that i played at and yeah uh, the, the successful premiership team there five or six of them all played cricket together and, and yes. were successful cricketers together and it's just building that that competitiveness well i think brian dookie sort of really cashed in on yeah, that yeah. once the cricket club sort of folded um over there they've got a few cricketers in like jason mulkeen and and that sort of thing so um and i know tally is really working working hard on i know they're quite close with the cricket club so i'd expect to see you know maybe the likes of trent Sidebottom and those types playing bowls once their cricketing days are over and i think you need that relationship to you know to keep the wheels turning a little bit so yeah you definitely do and i think what Tyler touched on is a great idea to be uh, explored. Yeah. And I'll just touch on, I believe, the professionalism of Shep Golf. Yes. When after the midweek preliminary final was concluded, uh, at least eight of their players went out to practice for the bigger dance next week. Yes. So they travelled down, didn't watch 
got the the end of the game. They obviously had work commitments, mm. but they got time off to go down and practice on the green in its playing condition, which I'll which how yeah. many other clubs would do that? Well, it's the reason why they're so successful and I think um, you know, other clubs have got to start taking a leaf out of their book and um, you know, look I know we all love the social side of bowls and things like that, but um, you know, you can always improve and get better and particularly with the professionalism they're they're certainly the benchmarks. Yeah, they definitely are and I believe they went out to um East Shepherd and on that real, or they played when that heat was on. You yeah. said you turned up a train, there was no one there. Yeah. Well, they they were practicing. Yeah. In the forty degrees. Yeah, and that's that's the difference really at the moment. So, yeah. um, looking ahead to Saturday's prelim finals, Brian, we'll we'll run through those. We might touch um a bit more on Division Two and Division One, but run us through what's happening this Saturday. Yeah, weekend preview. Uh, just the preliminary finals in Division Seven. Eildon on the carpet, I believe, will um, defeat Violet Town and put them out of it in straight sets. Yeah, look, um, I think I think Eildon as well. This one's at Negambi, is it, Brian? It is. Yeah, so I'm I'm backing Eildon in to get the job done over Violet Town, but um, good effort for them to get to the prelim final too, Violet Town. And I think Yaroa, uh can defeat Kai in the uh, Division Six. Uh, Preliminary final, yep, uh, and get and they have another crack at um, Yay, who but just defeated them in the in the qualifying. Yeah, look, I'll back your older bounce back as well. I think um, you know they'll be determined to have another crack at Yay in the grand final. So I think they'll get over Kyberman and earn a shot. And I'm going for Alex to um, the win the Division Five match, and uh, they'll defeat Eildon. Bob Bengami, your man will uh, get the job done for them, Brian. I, I agree with you. And, uh, yeah, look, I think um, they deserve a shot in the grand final and uh, they'll, they'll learn that on Saturday. That's at Nagambi as well. Yep. Division 4 also at Nagambi. Uh, VRI um, waiting to take on the winner of Yaroa and uh, Hilltop. I'm going to go for Hilltop. they yep. They're flying at the moment, and I think they can get the job done. Yeah, they're riding a nice little wave of momentum, and I think they'll take that into the grand final and, and meet Seymour VRI. But, um, yeah, I think Seymour VRI are going to be the team to beat in that division. Definitely. Division three, Stanhope continued their late surge, which I mentioned before, and I think they'll go on and knock – I reckon they'll knock um, Seymour. Seymour out of it. Wow. And they're a big chance in the grand final then. Uh, Against the Gamby. You can't beat, uh, they'd be confident. Winning form. And Rush, um, Rush was Seymour would have to be, they'd have to be smarting, but they'll be, they'll have last year's memories from the final, the grand final still running through their head, I think. And um, I think they could choke again. Well, I'm going to go for Seymour to bounce back, but um, I'd be very interested if they do win and get another shot at Ngambi ahead of the grand final. I mean, um, they've given themselves chance after chance each season, and I'd love to see their win-loss record in the past three home and away seasons. I reckon they'd be, be lucky to have lost five games, but finals is a different kettle of fish, but um, I'll back... Back them in to get the job done. Too much firepower. Yeah, <clears throat> I'm not jumping off uh, just yet. Um, you've got to keep doubling down until you win, don't you, Brian? Uh, yeah. I think um, uh, it is out at Tatura, which I think will probably suit Stanhope, but I think Seymour will get the job done and, and bounce back. But uh, next week might be a different story. Division 2. 
Uh, Kai's got the they're in the big dance, and we've got the qualifying final now between Shep Golf and Yaroa, and I think Shep Golf will make amends for their loss in the qualifying with a comfortable win over Yaroa and and have another clash with Kai for the flag and. One of these clubs could be playing Division 1 next year. It's an interesting one. I'm looking at Shep Golf side, and they're obviously hell-bent on getting in the grand final because they've dropped uh, Neville Manton back from Division 1, played in the qualifying final last week. Graham Thorne, John Hallam's back, who missed the, the qualifying final. He's back in as a third to his old mate, Gert Foley. Um, so Timmy Gribble's still skipping Wayne Gribble. Uh, so I can't see Brad Robinson's name. No, in the he's side. not in there. Yeah. And... Um, Gary Phillips went out as well. Yeah, so I'm not sure what's happened to Robbo, whether he's unavailable or he's just been left out altogether. But um, dropping those couple back from Division 1, they're obviously really keen to try and get their 1s and their 2s in, and I think they'll have too much experience for Euroa. Yeah, I, I think so. And I note that the, their Thursday night practice is at Tatura this week uh, for Shepparton Golf. So um, uh, just touching on that professionalism that you... Uh, As we speak, probably. Uh, oh, yeah, this Thursday night, isn't it? Uh, I did time start that earlier in the uh, in the podcast. But, uh, yeah, I, I think golf will be too good for your rower and, um, unless Kenny Sutcliffe pulls off uh, something spectacular, which he certainly is capable of. I think we could get uh, golf v Kai in Div 1 and 2. Yeah, I think we will, no doubt. Division 1, this will be another fantastic uh, game. Um, one side's going to bow out and uh, Tally will be going, trying to win two premierships in a row. It's hard to win one, let alone two. And they've got Shep Golf waiting there. They proved during the season they've gone close both times, Tally, and so's Kai. Uh, without, uh, Kai did defeat them, sorry, over at, over at Kai Abram, uh, Shep Golf. They're only lost for the year. But I think Tally, their um, big win over Shep Park, who... They always rise to the occasion in finals, normally Shep Park, even though they didn't have, mightn't have the cattle. I think Tally will win a, a very uh, fierce encounter and get another shot at winning back-to-back flags. I think they'll be just a little bit too good for Kai. Tyler? Yeah, I, I think the opposite, Brian, actually. I think Kai Abram has pushed golf three times now uh, this season, beaten them once. And I think it's it, it's probably me um, barracking for the storyline <laughs> more than um, anything. But I, I want the thriller in Manila Part Four. Yes, uh, Kai Abram versus Golf and Ali um, Frazier. I, I certainly think Tally could win this game. Um, it, it's it's it should be another cracker, to be honest. But I think I think Kai. Um, it's it's just culminating for me as uh, a golf v Kai. Grand final of um, the the system versus the um, the the recruitment um, bonanza. Yes, um, some interest. Oh, sorry, Brian, you go. Yep. I was just going to. Well, I think um, Kai's made a couple of changes, which Ash is going to touch on. And I think the make changes just before the final is a a bit of a. Um, it's fraught with danger, isn't it? Fraught with danger. That's exactly the words and. I believe Tally's got a more um, stabilised side, and I and uh, since Adrian Pantley's come, I think he's been the icing on the cake, and he probably he hasn't lost the game, and I reckon he um, he could be like he could be like uh, crapper last year, 
the big he's a big he'll be the difference in the finals. It's a great um, line that you draw there, Brian Pantling and, and Crapper, because he, he has been a match winner for them since he's come on board, and he was nothing short of unbelievable last week against Josh Warren. Uh, even though we were on the far rink across some of the shots that he was playing, um, I could see, and some that I was told about. I mean, and with Jeff Franz as his third. Just on the selection news, um, so Russell Orchard is unavailable. And so is uh, Jockey McInnes. Yes. Um, so a couple of unavailabilities there, which means Tally's brought back Rod Still um, and he'll play second in uh, Mark Ryan's rink. Scott Adams will go over and lead for Adrian Pantling, where Russell Orchard was. Kyabram, Paul McInnes is unavailable, which is um, unfortunate. Um, so Rob Seney has been brought in for his first Division One game of the year, someone with a lot of Division One experience. So he'll play second to Jeff Beatty. Um, and the Glenfields rink was the big concern last week. It pretty much cost them the game, losing by 22 shots against Brad Orr. So, you know, desperate times call for desperate measures. And, you know, I know we talked about changing sides. This like can be fraught with danger. But Kai will be nervy, I think, going into this one. They've worked hard all year. They've earned the double chance. They had lost a heartbreaker last week. There's no tomorrow after Saturday. If they get rolled in straight sets, it'll be devastating for them. So they've made a move. Um, Greg Schilling has gone over to play third for Glenn Fields, which will um, give that rink a bit more experience. And Josh Cartwright playing third to his father, David Cartwright. Thoughts on that one, Brian and Tyler? Well, he played third for David at Hilltop last season. And they obviously gel together. The family, I mean, you you, you get on pretty well with your dad, for example. Um, You play little tournaments together. They're used to each other's company. They practice together. It It might be the ideal... Solution. If 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 that was the case, though, if they because um, their win loss record last year at Hilltop was okay at best, but given what we know, David's capable of as a skipper in this competition. If they were happy with that pairing, then why haven't they been playing skip and third together all year? That's the only question I would yeah, ask. I no, think once a- they come back to Kybram and they brought in all these recruits, I think they realised that that couldn't work. If that because he started as a second. Um, Josh early yes. on in the year. Um, he was playing second to Jeff Beattie and that rink was airborne in the first half of the yeah. year. So it's funny that they've gone back to that move for their biggest game of the year. I'm chip all chips in on tally. I think they they gave us a hiding last weekend. They're hungry to earn a chance at Shep Golf to defend their premiership. I think Kai um, will be a little bit nervy and tight given the predicament they're in, not wanting to... Sometimes you play not to avoid a straight set's finals um, exit rather than trying to play and just play the game on its merits. And I think Tally will get into the grand final. Well, Mark Ryan <coughs> said during the week that he thinks Tally's bowling uh, even better than they were last year, which is um, probably correct. And uh, they beat Kyabram by 40-odd shots in uh, this same match last year. But it is obviously a very different Kyabram Absolutely. side. And, and I, I think with the experience and talent that they brought in this year... Um, that it would be a wasted opportunity to not at least get a shot at golf in the grand final. And I don't think they're about to waste that opportunity. 
The only rink that hasn't been touched for Kyabram is is our man, the Rain Man, Brent Rayner, who is uh, he's been in fantastic form all year. Um, so he'll take his rink in of Connor True and Jacob Cartwright and Graham King, and I think they could be the ones that um, you know have a big bearing on the overall result for for Kyabram. Well, if he plays Pantley, that could be the decisive matchup. Worth the price of admission if those that is, two draw each other. Sure. Yeah. Will you be out there on Saturday, Brian? I'll be there. I'll be there early to get a prime seat because I reckon it's going to be a, it's going to be a, a ding dong battle, yep. a ball biter, so to speak. Yep. Babe. And I'm going to Bendigo on Sunday. I'm looking forward to the Bendigo. East Bendigo versus Bendigo clash. Well, you wouldn't have got um, you would have got big odds about that at the start. The Imoam have bombed out in straight sets, and South Bendigo same like, as Melbourne bombed out in both straight sets. So hopefully the same can't be said for Kybram after Saturday. But uh, we'll be here to talk about it again next week, Tyler. We yeah, certainly will. Before we go, I just want to give the St Patrick's Day charity tournament at Shepparton Park a plug. It's for a good cause for a, a, a recognised charity. 18 for March. 9.30 for 10 a.m. start. It's $10 per player. The format is fours, any combination. Call Ron Holland or Wes Gibbs. All money goes to, a, as I said, to a chosen charity and practically everyone walks away with a prize. And Murchison Bowling Club's got a medley, their first tournament for the year. Four players, Tuesday the 28th for the third. Four men can have two men and two women, whatever. 10 a.m. start. $25 per player. So um, put that in your memory bank and try and support the uh, the smaller clubs if you can. Sounds good. Thanks very much for joining us on After the Jack for another episode. We'll uh, speak to you next week. That was After the Jack, a McPherson Media Group production.